So yeah, that's definitely a good question. We're going to get to it, but I want to I want to um, start now. Actually, before we go further inside in the text, uh, Jonathan Bloom sent me a question, which I think at this point is worthwhile dealing with. Mati, your question we're going to get to, Mitzvahem, hopefully today. But the question that was asked was as follows: We the, the, the question is that when we were learning about Yehudilah and we're learning about Yehudilah and Yehudatata, that the mitzvah, the avayda, the way to worship God according to Chassidus, is by meditating and contemplating on the truth of God's unity, and thereby bringing it into your mind. And Jonathan asked, is that just subjective, that? The mitzvah achdus Hashem is something that you have to bring into your mind. You make it a part of your way of thinking. You make it your mindset. Or does it have an objective effect on the world? Right? That was the question. And, and I mentioned at the time, the Pesach and Kehel is, that Hashem put the world in our heart. And that by us subjectively unifying the world with God, that has an objective effect on the world. Through us, subjectively, meditating and contemplating and, and internalizing the truth of Achdus Hashem of God's unity, that does have an effect on the objective world. The world that God put in our heart, and when it's clear to us, it has an effect on the objective world. So Jonathan, you want to speak out the question yourself? So that the... Say, say the question yourself. Sure, yeah. So I was asking, to me it seems like the concept of Yichud is binary. Like it either something is singular one or it's not so what does it mean that we can have some effect on that singularity that makes it sounds like makes it sound like there's some spectrum there's like less yichud and more yichud which i have trouble understanding very good so does everyone get that question the way he's saying it is really nice that seemingly achtus hashem is the opposite of binary the opposite of there being a possibility of being dialectic and seemingly if we're saying Achdus Hashem means Einun Movade and we're learning how Hashem's light becomes everything, so what does it mean that it's dependent on your subjective mind? Right? That's what you're asking. And it's Einun Movade, we believe it. Shema Yisrael Hashem Echad. So why would your mind, why would a Jew, when you meditate, why would that actually have an effect on the objective truth of Hashem's Achdus if Hashem's Achdus is, is, and it's not dependent on us at all? Right? That's your question. So. Huh? Huh? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so the truth is, he's going to get to this much later, but but I want to just speak it out. And the truth is that the place where this is explained the nicest is chapter thirty three of Tanya. There, the, in chapter thirty three, the altar of Amamish explains this idea. But let me just speak it out. You see, let me ask you. Let me be Jewish, Jonathan, and I'll answer you a question with a question. If everything is Hashem's light. So why are there things that are not kosher in the world? Why are there why is there evil in the world? Why is there negativity in the world? Why can't what does it mean that there are things that are impure in the world if everything is Hashem's light? Objectively everything is Hashem. So why what does it mean that there are things that are impure, things that are not kosher, things that are forbidden? Why? It's all Hashem. Huh? It's not rhetorical. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it could be rhetorical. I, I, I don't know, unless you have an answer. I don't have a clear, well thought out answer. So, oh, yeah. so, so the Vard is the way that the, the way the Chassidus explains is like this. You have to differentiate between the truth as it is, capital T truth, as it Hashem sees it, 
and the Maisa, the way that we are, we are experiencing reality. Okay? Objectively, Hashem sees that, that He's all that exists. However, as we're going to learn, why, doesn't, why don't we all see that Hashem is the only thing that exists? How come that's not revealed to us? And the answer, as we're going to learn, is the concept called Tzimtzum. Tzimtzum, that Hashem does the contracting, the concealment, many millions of levels of concealment and contractions, and He makes His light manifest and or invested in garments, in vessels, and shells. Now, these garments that conceal His light, these vessels, these shells that conceal the divine light, are also only Hashem. They're also only Hashem. They're from Shem Elikim. As opposed to the light of Hashem itself, which is from Shem Yudke Vavke, the concealments, that that conceals that everything is Hashem, it is Hashem, but it's Shem Elikim. And the Shem Elikim makes that the world has differentiations, even though we're saying everything is the light of Hashem, but it, you, there are differences in the world. Forget about impure or not impure. There are differences in the world and different things, right? Different things that exist because Hashem allows His light to go through tzimtzum and to go through contractions. And right now, Hashem's light is so concealed in some things in the world to the extent what's known in Kabbalah that the Shechina is in Golos. The Shechina itself, Hashem allowed His own Shechina, His own light to go into exile. Hashem allowed His light to be so completely concealed and captured by these vessels and these garments that now there are non-kosher animals. There's negativity happening in the world. Hashem, you know, it says, Micha Moicha, the sages says, Micha Moicha Be'elim Hashem, who is like you among the strong ones, Hashem. So the sages read, Micha Moicha Be'ilmim Hashem, who is like you among the mute Hashem, that Hashem is almost mute, even though seemingly the world is just Hashem talking as we're learning. So why is it saying that Hashem is mute? Because we don't see that in the world. Because Hashem allowed His, as we're going to learn, Mitzvah Hashem, in the end of chapter 4, Hashem put His light into shells and garments and vessels that conceal Him. So although from Hashem's eyes it's all Him, and he's a, He sees Himself above that distinction at the level of His essence, Hashem sees that He's above that distinction at the level of His essence, but certainly as He's metzamtzim Himself, at the level as He's creating a world and He's allowing His light to go either through Yudke Vavke directly or through Shem Alekim, He's allowing His light to be concealed and bring about even negativity mamish. And we're the ones, and, and that's the secret of the lessening of the moon, of course. The moon, the sun represents Yudke Vavke, the moon represents Shem Kim. And Hashem lessened the moon, which is the secret of the Tzimtzum, and now the moon, which means God's indwelling Shechina light, is so completely exiled in whatever is happening in the world. Our job is to reveal in the world the truth of Hashem's unity. So although Hashem sees that He's all that exists, but certainly the Shem Kim that Simtsum makes that we don't feel that, and our job is to reverse, to bring Hashem's Yudke Vavke, to bring His infinite light into that place of concealment also. And that's done through Torah Mitzvahs, 
to learning Torah, doing mitzvahs. As Chassidus explains why you need Torah, why you need mitzvahs. That's chapter 37 in Tanya. But another way, one of the main ways, as he explains in chapter 33, is by meditation, by our contemplating that it that reverses the objective truth of the tzimtzum. As he explains over there in chapter 33, the Alter Rebbe says that that's the idea that our amuna makes a dir betachtoinim. Right? Let's let's take a step back. We know according to Chassidus, the purpose for which God created the world was that He wanted a dir betachtoinim. He wanted a dwelling place in the lowest world. Now, seemingly, what does it mean a dwelling place that God wants to dwell in the lowest world? God is everything. What do you mean He wants to dwell in the lowest world? He's everything and He's all that exists. Ask that more basic question. What's this whole idea that we have to like fix reality? Hashem is all that exists. What do you mean we have to make a dir betachtoinim? He is all that exists. What is tachtoinim? Tachtoinim means the lowest world. So really, in, ch- in chapter 36 of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe asks, let me just, I'll just read you the line. I don't know if any of you have the text with you, but I'll read you the line in chapter 36 in Tanya. If you could, if you have the text with you, you just t- take a look on page 163. It is a well-known rabbinic statement that the purpose of the creation of this world is that the Holy One, blessed be, desired to have an abode in the lower worlds. Now listen, Jonathan, how this is essentially your question. But surely with God, the distinction of upper and lower has no validity for He pervades all all worlds equally. What do you mean lower worlds? He's everywhere equally. What's dirbatachtenim that He wants to dwell in the lowest world? He's everywhere equally, exactly the same. Yeah? And the answer is because it's not, we say everything is Hashem's light, but Hashem's light is enclosed in vessels, garments, and shells. And Seder is Shtalshlus Eilamis, the downchaining of worlds, is that as the worlds get further down, the light becomes more concealed in more garments, and more shells, and more klipis, and more levushim, and more kalim. And those things that conceal Hashem's light are objectively real. Hashem sees that those are really things that are concealing His light. So even though they're both Him, it's like the mushal that the famous mushal that the Alter brings. They're both Him. The, the the light and the vessels and shells are both Him. But it's like the turtle, the turtle whose shell is a part of it. Both the cute squiggly face, the green face of the turtle is the turtle, and the shell of the turtle is the turtle. So the garments and shells that make the world lower, that conceal Hashem's light and bring about a situation that you have to work to feel God, that's also God. That's His shell. That's His Shem Elikim. But our job is to reveal reveal and change the Shem Elikim and reveal Hashem even in that dark lowest place. So Hashem sees that He's one even in the darkest lowest place. Hashem sees that. But we don't. We see it just as garments and shells. We see it as a world. We don't see that it's just another way God is manifesting. And our job, dear B'tachtoinim, is that in our eyes, the way that we experience reality should also be in such a way of revelation, even in that place. C- clear? Yeah, I think so. I'll think through it more, but yeah. You have to think about it because, in other words, what we're learning is that ha- we're going to learn more about this inside in the text, but you have to understand that ha- Hashem makes Himself 
Achen Ato Kel Mestater. Chesidus always brings the Pesach. Achen Ato Kel Mestater. You are a God that, that hides. And he conceals himself within himself. He conceals himself within shells, within vessels, and that brings about from our perspective, when we look at the world, we don't see God's light. We're just seeing the shells and the garments and the vessels. And dear B'tachtonim, the lowest world is our world where there's absolutely, like the angels, the higher world, the angels, they have a revelation of Hashem's light. At some level, more or less, they feel that they're, they're nothing other than emanation of Hashem's light. But on our level, we don't see that at all without working, without meditating, without contemplating. And so the contemplating and the meditating is what brings God even in that place of the shells, etc., of the lowest world. Clear? Yeah. Yeah? Thank you. Okay. All right, so let's go weiter so we could get to Mati Shur's question also today. And that's what Alter is going to ask. Let's see inside. So we learned over here, we've been learning that the Alter Rebbe taught us from the Baal Shem Tov, that Hashem's speech, Hashem's words, that He's speaking existence into, into reality, those words are what become reality. Those words are what become reality. The Dvar Hashem, the Dvar Hashem, the speech of God that He says, the Sarmamaris, the Ten Utterances, those words are what actually become reality. And it's not, and, and we learned that the Pasuk is saying, even the highest spiritual worlds, the Pasuk is telling you, even those great ethereal, you know, sky, heavens, whatever, however high up in the heavens you think, every moment it has to be being brought into existence from God. Heaven is not anything other than Hashem's speech as well. And the Altar says, and so to the opposite, even inanimate matter. Which you might think you're just looking at rocks, you're looking at mud, you're looking at inanimate things. How is that? How is that a lukus? How is that God's light? So the Alter says, even over there in inanimate matter, even over, you know, it's it's like there are two. There, it's a, this idea. This it's like there are two types of people that feel they don't need God in their life. The two types of people that feel that or, or that they can't have God in their life. There are those that are on a, they see themselves in a very high level. So I'm fine. I'm you know I'm doing great. Everything's fine. I don't need God. You know I'm 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 fine. I'm 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 fully functioning. I don't need God's help every moment. I could I could work on my own. You know it's like it says that uh, King Shaul Chazal say King David knew all the time was a gaver the more messiah. King David always knew that if Hashem wasn't helping him at every moment, he couldn't do anything. Shaul HaMelech on his level was such a tzaddik that he almost felt that he didn't need Hashem's help. And that's why he fell. So there are those that are a very high level, you know, or, or things are going good in life. There are those people that things are going good in life. Ah, I don't need God. I'm fine. I'm functioning fully fine. And the opposite. There are people that are on such a low level that they say, how could I possibly have God in my life? I'm on such a low level, I'm on such a, I'm so far from God, how could God possibly connect with me? Or somebody who's really in the dumps and thinks, how, how could I connect Hashem from this place as well? So the Alter Rebbe is stressing both things. You have to know whether the heavens, Bashamayim, is always Hashem saying, Yihirakia. Hashem has to be bringing the heavens into existence every single moment. And when it comes to inanimate stuff, lowly things, that's also Hashem bringing it into existence every moment. And if Hashem were to stop saying, 
Now, as the world, we have to stop looking at the world as being just here. The world is dynamic. The world is now, this moment, Hashem is allowing, his, is speaking it into existence, meaning, what do we learn divine speech means? What does it mean he speaks? God doesn't have a mouth. What do we learn as divine speech? That he's mitzamtam, he contracts his light. Just like when you speak, you're revealing from your soul. You're saying words, which means you're directing an aspect of your soul and you're expressing yourself. Divine speech is Hashem is tailor-making a type of light that is going to invest itself and create every particular thing that exists. So let's read inside. This same thought, yeah? Go up to the next paragraph. This same thought that even inanimate objects have to be brought into existence every moment by the divine speech, this same thought was expressed by the Ari, by the Arizal of blessed memory, when he said that even in completely inanimate matter, such as stones or earth or water, there is a soul and spiritual life force. Knows that Arizal says that even in Doimim Mamish, even in earth and rocks and water, there's a nefesh. There's a nefesh, there's a soul. Which sounds like, you know, either something Native American, Lahavdil, that was saying that even in rocks and water and earth, there's, there's a soul. In everything that exists, there's a soul. Or it sounds like a Disney movie. You know, when you have like the, uh, the forks and the spoons dancing and, you know, like... Uh, Luminaire or the, the whole Hevra over there. What does the Arizal mean to say that inanimate matter has souls? That rocks and water, they have souls. It doesn't mean that they're cognizant of self. It's not like in the Disney movie. And yet there is a soul to everything inanimate. The Arizal is saying everything has a soul. What is its soul? Says the Alter Ebi. There is a soul and spiritual life force that is the enclothing of the letters of speech, the enclothing of the Oisius Hadibor, the letters of speech of the ten utterances, which give life and existence to inanimate matter, that it might arise out of the nothing, naught, and nothingness which preceded the six days of creation. So what is the soul of inanimate matter? Exactly what we're learning about, the divine speech that's bringing it into existence every moment. Every rock that you see is God talking it into existence now. He's tailor-making His light to become this rock and that rock and that rock. This ant and that ant and this snowflake and this leaf on the tree and that leaf on the tree. Every moment the Baal Shem Tov said, Hashem is making His light contract through millions of contractions to become every particular leaf on a tree and every particular drop of rain, etc. And that's the soul of these inanimate things in the world. That's what the soul is. That's what it means that they have a soul. Clear? Now the Alter Rebbe asks Mati's question. No, but one second. So let's get something clear. So we're learning that every particular thing that exists in the world is the divine speech bringing into existence. So the question is, why are there only ten utterances? Why are there only Asara Mamaris? How many utterances really are there? If we're saying that any insect that ever lived or any pebble or any grain of sand is right now Hashem speaking it 
making his light, directing his light, tailoring his light to become that particular thing. So how many utterances are there? Trillions and trillions and trillions. What do you mean there are only ten? The Torah just says there are only ten utterances. But we're saying that everything that exists is Hashem. And it's Him making His speaking, His tailor making that light to be able to become invested in every particular thing. So the question is, so why isn't everything that exists in the Torah? Well, it would make it very hard for Hagba, that's for sure. I mean, that's the simple answer. Hagba would be impossible. I mean, if, if, if the Torah had to list an utterance for every single thing that ever existed, the Torah would be a lot bigger than it is now, and you'd need a, cra- a couple of cranes to pick it up. So that's a, that's, you know, that's a simple answer, but that's, that's just tongue-in-cheek. That's not the real answer, says the Alter Rebbe. Listen, let's first see how the Alter Rebbe asked the question. It's, it's what we just said, but th- look how he asks it. Now, Although the name Evan, the name Evan meaning a stone, Evan, the word Evan, Aleph Bet Nun, means a rock, means a stone. Now, although the name Evan is not mentioned in the ten utterances recorded in the Torah, question mark. That's how the altar was asking the question. It doesn't say the word Evan. Mati said it doesn't have a Samach in the, in the, in the Asama Maris, which is true. But the way the Alter is asking it is even more basic. It doesn't say the word Yehi Evan. Yehi Evan, Yehi Eitz, Yehi Perach. It doesn't say that anywhere. There are ten general utterances. And yet we're saying that every particular thing that exists is Hashem speaking it into existence. Answers the Alter Rebbe, never the... Yeah, the question is clear. Uh, yeah. Nevertheless... Life force, divine life force and vitality flows to the stone through combinations and substitutions of the letters which are transposed in the 231 gates, either in direct or reverse order, as explained in Sefer Yitzira. Anyone get that? The Alter Rebbe says, how does the life force flow? Through the combinations and substitutions of the letters, Tzirufim, Chilufim, Gematria, in the 231 gates as recorded in Sefer Yetzira. So first of all, let's take a step back. What is Sefer Yetzira? Sefer Yetzira, as we know, is the oldest and most mysterious of all Jewish books that were written. Sefer Yetzira, which our tradition is, was written by Avram Avinu. Sefer Yetzira is that book which, as famously the Maharal from Prague, used to create a golem. And the Gemara talks about how Abaye and Rava were able to create, they wanted the covered Shabbos, they wanted to have a, a cow or a little kelbala, they wanted a little lamb for Shabbos, they created one with Sefi Yetzirah. Sefi Yetzirah is the secrets of the letters. The secrets of how God creates reality, which is the secrets of the letters of the 22 letters of the Aleph base. And you know, when you learn, especially when you learn Kabbalah, there's a lot of substituting of letters, that these letters become those letters. Like by way of example, if any of you have ever seen a mezuzah, if you've ever seen a mezuzah, the way the mezuzah looks on the outside, where it says the three names of Hashem, Hashem, Aleikeinu, Hashem, like on the back of the parchment, like the next letter, Chav Vav, Zayin Vav, the next letter of Yudke Vavke is written, 
Kabbalistically, there's a whole thing of changing around of letters, of substituting and combining different letters. Now, what does that mean? Once you understand that what are divine letters, they're ways God is manifesting, they're the building blocks of creation. It's not just random that we decided that these things are called this and these letters, you know. The fact that in English an ox is called an ox, O-X, some random, you know, guy made that up in some alehouse thousand years ago somewhere in the Holy Roman Empire or something, right? Some, some, somebody just made up that we should call it an ox. But when the Torah says that an ox is a shore, shin vavresh, when the Torah calls an ox by a name, we know that that is its vitality. That is God speaking it into existence. But seemingly we're saying it doesn't say the word shor or even anywhere in the Torah. And so the answer that Altar was saying is that the ten utterances are the general revelations of his light on a much more general, higher, intense way. And then all those letters, like for instance, on the fifth day of creation, Hashem said, uh, or Yishritzu uh, Amaim. On the fifth day of creation, Hashem created fish. How many types of fish are there? I don't know, millions and millions, the scientists say, right? So on the fifth day of creation, Hashem said, Yishritzu Amaim Nefesh Chaya. The water should give forth a Nefesh Chaya. So you have the letters of the utterance that Hashem is saying, let the waters give forth life. And through gematrias and chilufim and substitutions of the letter, the Sefer Yitzir is the secret of how to know how all the letters are able to substitute to become lower, lesser creations. So although it doesn't say the word Evan anywhere in the Torah, it might not say the word Evan anywhere in the Torah, but still that doesn't change the fact that when Hashem is speaking the ten utterances, those letters of the utterances are going through millions of substitutions. That's why the Kabbalistic books are so into the letters, that this is the same letters as this, and this, if you change around the letters, it becomes this. And what happens is that the, from the ten utterances, the letters become changed around, which Kabbalistically, when you change letters around, it means it's a descent. Like if you remember, I told you, Yehuda Tata is Vo'ed, Echod, Right, Shema Yisrael is Hashem Echad, where it's openly Achdus Hashem. Yehuda Tato is Baruch Shem Kveid Machusalelam Voed. Voed is the same word as Echad when you change the letters around. And so these Kabbalistic changing of letters around are not just games. It's not just like playing games that the, yeah, the Lamed because the Gematria this and you change this around with that. It's an actual descent of God's light. It's an act, it means that Hashem first says ten general utterances. Those are the general utterances. And then from those letters, let's say at the fifth day of Yishutsu Amayim, so how many ways could you change around those letters to become all the different types of fish? So there's actually what's called the 231 gates. 231 gates, if you like, I don't remember exactly how the Seyfi Yitzira, uh, does, it's not relevant to, we're not trying to be Kabbalists over here, we're just trying to understand the idea. And the idea is that the Seyfi Yitzira shows how the letters could be transmuted, and that brings about this leaf, that fish, that fish, and every particular fish has another way that the light is being brought down to become what it is. So every, all the fish partake in the general utter, utterance that God said in the fifth day. 
But then each particular fish, the Seyfi Yetzirah shows the secret of how those letters could be permutated and changed to bring about every particular fish. So the real Kabbalists, the reason they were able to do change nature, it almost wasn't miraculous, if you're allowed to say such a thing, but it's true. The real Kabbalists, when they changed nature, it wasn't really a miracle. They knew the secret of what the, D- the real DNA of things are, which are the divine letters. And when the letters get switched around, that's why you could have an effect on the world. I always tell the story of, you know, that's why in Kabbalistically there's an idea of a Kamea. The real Kabbalists knew how to write a Kamea. It means like a, a, an amulet. They would write, my father, when my father was born, he had some kind of problem with his lungs. And he was having trouble breathing. And my grandmother went to Shalom Sharabi, who wrote a Kamea. He wrote like a couple of words on a thing and and my grandmother put it around my father's neck as a baby and he's still around. So it's not a miracle per se if you're a real Kabbalist that knows <clears throat> what letters are in you, what letters are in every particular thing that exists. And then if I know how to combine and change those letters around, I could change reality. So the author of a saying that, of course it doesn't say the word platypus or stone or snowflake or, I don't know, Jerry Garcia. It doesn't say all those letters in the ten utterances. But somehow, through the Kabbalistic secrets of the Seyfi Yitzira, all those letters are able to be permutated to bring about every particular thing that exists. So, it's not, there aren't just ten utterances. Hashem is speaking as many things that exist. That's what Hashem is speaking now into existence. The ten utterances are just the general light, which then, through the letters being permutated and changed and transposed, then they bring about that combination that brings about the Evan and the rock and every particular thing. Is that clear? Okay, we're going to stop now unless anyone has a question. Anyone have a question? Yeah. Okay, so it might be answered later on, but uh, and I probably asked this before, but we have, let's say there's DNA makeup of wood, right, a tree. tree becomes lumber, lumber could become a chair or a desk or something. I mean, it could change. Oh, good question. Very and good question. So, and, so, and, it, and then from, let's say, you just have a table, you could even turn that table into, let's say you combine it, use that table for learning or something for a greater purpose. Would right. that change it even again? And the, so, so the answer is, yeah. The, when any, whenever anything changes, it means that the divine utterance, the because the, again, what is, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but maybe I should, because when I keep saying the divine utterance, the divine speech, in your mind, it should already be synonymous with a tailored divine light that's bringing this particular thing to exist. Every snowflake has its own divine utterance, right? So now, originally it was like a sapling, then it became a tree, then you cut it down and make it into a table. So does the divine utterance change based on how we change the entity? And the answer is 100% yes. That's why there's a whole Masechet of Mishnayis called Masechus Kalim. It's one of the longest tractates in the Mishnah. I think it's like 30 chapters or something. Maseches Kalim. Vessels. And basically what's being discussed over there is halachically, when does a table become called a table? When does a chair become called a chair? And it discusses, like if I just take a piece of wood and I put four pieces of wood, is that automatically a table? Let's say I just take a, you know, a piece of lumber and I put four other pe- sticks of lumber, is that a table? Or is it still pieces of wood? 
So the Mishnah discusses it. What has to happen that it's no longer pieces of wood, but now it's called a table. And there's halachas. And the Torah reveals to us, the Torah is the prism through which God is creating. And so the Torah reveals to us each thing. What is it called? What is it? So is that how we elevate things in this world? In terms of we use it for the right purpose, it becomes elevated itself or no? Yes, totally. I mean, yeah, the, the fact that you, you can elevate it, that's that, that's talked about in the first part of Tanya, but but we're learning now, yes, you can elevate it by using it for holy for holy uh, um, purposes. Does that, change, does that change the DNA of it also? It cha- it, well, here's the thing. It doesn't change the DNA of it, but it brings higher levels of God's transcendent light into that DNA. In other words, elevating means if Hashem, so to speak, condensed Himself to bring about the particular things that exist, elevating it means bringing it back up to Hashem as He's in His transcendent state, which we know as, how do we translate it as? Kedusha. Kedusha. Kedusha is Hashem as He is in His transcendent state, as He is in His more essential state, as opposed to when He's speaking things into existence, when He's contracting Himself, Elevating it means bringing it up to re- reveal Hashem's transcendent infinite light in this particular thing. But it still remains a table. It's now a shulchan. Hashem is saying, let there be a table. But if you use it for holy purpose, you're bringing more levels of God's light into it. Or like we said at the beginning of today's shir, by meditating. By meditating on God's unity, that unites it with higher levels of Hashem. Hi, how are you? Anyone else? Um, it's actually connected to that question. When yeah. when we do that, when 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 the Hashem's art is concealed in something, whatever it is, and we do a mitzvah with it, Hashem's art is now less concealed, as I understand it. Right? We've brought out more of Hashem. The only problem is we we can't actually see that. We know it's happening. We can't see it. Hashem knows it's happening. Right. As far as we're concerned, we're not necessarily actually. We are spiritually benefiting from it, but we can't actually see it happening. So how do we, who's, who's benefiting? Hashem already knows it's there. He's everything. We don't see any change in it. So who exactly is, is being, is changing here? Well, that's why benefiting. you need the amuna. You need the amuna. We don't see with our eyes what's happening, but you need to know that a piece of food that you made a bracha on is not the same piece of food before you made the bracha on it. So when you say who's benefiting, we're benefiting because we're connecting with Hashem in a deeper way. Yeah, we don't, unfortunately, because we're in such a deep gullus, we don't see that. But that's, that's the amunah of chesidus, and that's, the, that's why chesidus is always about simcha and not necessarily tainug. It's already late, maybe I should get to this tomorrow, but, but remind me tomorrow, we'll, we'll, I want to I wanna cont- uh, respond a little more, the difference between simcha and tainug. We'll start with the tomorrow, Mitzvah Shem. Thank you. Those, uh, somebody's asking a question over here. Those levels we can elevate something finite to, is that only in our sphere of Malchus or can it go higher? No, we're talking about elevating higher. We're talking about being able to bring from higher levels of Hashem's light. But let's continue on that. We'll, we'll start with that Mitzvah Hashem tomorrow because I want to talk about the difference, that question of Isha, the difference between Simcha and Tainug. Say that, we'll talk about that tomorrow.